And that's why I kicked your leg out of your leg. You will rest in peace. Basketballs don't hold grudges. He got a bicycle. Welcome to the WrestleCube. Cube. Oh, that was a that's a yeah. one. Yeah. <laughs> I'm to get sexy. Deeper than normal. <laughs> <laughs> I am. Um, uh, my name is Tom Mimner. And I am Daniel the Cube Akimbola. Um and uh yeah, this is this is uh not our first attempt at this. <laughs> no. This is yeah. Um, but it's our so, best attempt. Uh, uh, yeah, hopefully. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, I think it's always our best attempt, but sometimes it doesn't work out like that. <laughs> yeah, you know. Um, you so, um, yeah, if, you, if you're listening to this and you listen to our mini episode that went out a few days ago, uh, you'll know that we had some technical problems the first time we tried to record uh, the first round, first matchup of our uh, uh, King of Cube, WrestleCube, um, I forget all the other names, um, the ring. tournament. Or King of Cube, King of Cube, I think we went with. Yeah, um, yeah. So uh, because because of that, um, uh, it's um, Eddie Guerrero versus Kazuchika Okada. We had a lovely chat about it, and uh, we had some technical problems, so we're having to do it again. So we're going to mix it up a little bit this time, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, have a bit of a chat. Um, how are you, Daniel? I am fantastic. I am fantastic. I'm happy to be doing this again because it means I can bring even more energy than I did last time. And guys, woo! You should have seen the energy I brought last time. You'll never know. It got crazy. It's, it's, it's crazy. the lost tape. The lost. Oh, woo. man! It's like the lost TLC match, which wasn't lost because it happened and people saw it. <laughs> it just forgot. I mean, you can anyway. still find that on the WWE Network. You just yeah. can't search for it. I didn't realize that Benoit was in that. And that explains. Oh yeah, that's why. why that's why lost. Because that was woo, man. We should do a whole podcast about that goddamn match. Because I remember watching that randomly on SmackDown. Uh, you used to show SmackDown on um, Sky One, right? Like they did, yeah. And just thinking, what is this? Why is this happening on a Saturday afternoon? This is amazing. Uh, but yeah, digression. I mean, you 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 might remember though uh, if, when they showed it uh, on a Saturday afternoon on Sky One, you will have seen more shots of the crowd or freeze frames than you will have seen anything else. Oh, they they cut to the crowd frequently, but man, those crowd reactions were maybe some of the best I've ever seen. As it's a, true. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we need to watch that again. Actually, yeah, I, uh, maybe so we'll, maybe we'll do it. Maybe yeah. maybe we'll take a week. At some point, we'll take a show off the tournament to go and uh, have a little look at that because that might be fun anyway. Yeah, yeah. Unless anybody from that match is in the tournament. I don't know if they are. Uh, uh, Chris Jericho. Jericho, yeah. 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 Well, well, we'll see. We'll see. We'll have to have a think about that. But that, that, yeah, might, yeah. Be a, that might be a good one. Um, yeah, so, so um, yeah, we're going to talk about Eddie Guerrero and Kazuchika Okada. Um, and um, I have some notes. Um, oh, so we'll best, get to those. Type. I love We'll get to those notes in a minute. Uh, I'm just trying to find... We have a list of five categories that we're going to be judging once we... Well, I suppose, basically, we're going to talk about some matches, uh, a couple of matches each for each guy. Not necessarily their best matches ever, but a good sample size, uh, sampling of, of their work. Um, and this will be the same for every round of this. Um, and then we'll talk about the matches and talk about the guys. And then we've got a list of five criteria, and we're going to give them each score out of five. 
uh, which will then, uh, whoever's got the highest score will uh, go to the next round. Yeah, yeah, that's a fantastic summary, Thomas. Good, good job as always. Okay. Um, so let's talk about Eddie Guerrero first. Before we get to the matches, I'm going to give you, uh, in case for some reason anybody is listening to this uh, who doesn't know who Eddie Guerrero is, I can't imagine that's the case. But uh, You never know. Let's give... My wife might be listening to this. <laughs> she definitely does. Let's give a, a little bit of backstory for uh, for one Eddie Guerrero. So Eddie Guerrero uh, is uh, one of the members of the famous uh, Guerrero family, uh, basically Anybody in that family uh, is in the business in some form or fashion. His father is the legendary Gory Guerrero, who invented the Gory Special. Uh, legendary what is the Gory Special, by the way? Um, it's kind of you'll, you'll you will have seen it. It's like a uh, when they put like, they like somebody's up on your shoulders, but you're back to back, and then mm-hmm. you hook their arms uh, with your arms. Mm-hmm. Kind of, it's like a, a backbreaker submission type thing. Okay, I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah, you, you would have seen it, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, also, famously, his uh, uh, Gory Guerrero also invented the camel clutch. <laughs> wow. Which is... I had no idea. Un- the spider recliner. Indeed, indeed. Um, well, because the, the thing is, is uh, there's that, always that story, and it's been disputed a little bit, about how uh, Muhammad Hassan, uh, the infamous... Uh, uh, post 9 11 uh, terrorist character that they had in WWE um, in the, the early 2000s, uh, did a, uh, was using it and then apparently got into some some sort of heated debate with Eddie Guerrero about Eddie Guerrero using it in his match earlier in the night, only for the rest of the locker room to inform him that uh, <laughs> Eddie Guerrero's dad invented the move. So, probably not the best guy to pick a fight with about it. <laughs> That is that is fantastic. I wish I could have actually been there to see that. That's that's like that must be one of the most sweetly delivered will actuallys ever. <laughs> well, it really, it really... Sorry, just having a, a sip of water for, hey. for the working man. Yeah. For... <laughs> Wait, so let me just pause so I can have my shroom tech <laughs> and get my T plus. <laughs> Who were happy to sponsor um, the podcast, by the way, if you want to get in contact. <laughs> oh, speak, speaking of which, uh, we should probably say we, we do have an official yes. sponsor. Um, yes, our official sponsor is timefixers.co.uk. That's timefixers.co.uk. Uh, they are um, a, a burgeoning company in the Brighton and Hove area who do uh, watch repairs, both trade and uh, I believe they do. Uh, individual customers as well. It's all online. Go visit the website. There's lots of information on there. Um, and a really good little company to support run by a good friend of ours. So, uh, yeah, timefixers.co.uk. Check it out. Or maybe uh, watch out. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Nice. <laughs> Took me a second. I, I was like, oh, yeah. All right. I see what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I like I it. A, if, if, you, if you ask the proprietor of that business, I'm pretty sure he has quite a number of watch based puns. But uh, I, I think I can't we should get all of them then for, for for future reads. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. It would help also if I'd written down exactly what I was going to say about our sponsor. Um, but yeah, you know, in future we'll, we'll we'll do maybe we'll even do a little ad at some point. Yeah, we like to freestyle on this podcast, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, cool. So Eddie Guerrero made his debut in 1986, working under a mask as Mascara Magica, um, uh, chiefly for CMLL in Mexico, and then he moved to AAA where he unmasked voluntarily, which was a bit controversial at the time. 
Um, and he ended up in a uh, heel stable called Los Gringos Locos, uh, along with like, the late Art Bar, uh, who was uh, a very controversial figure for a number of reasons. He had a lot of run-ins with the law, but also one of the most, arguably one of the most uh, charismatic wrestlers of all time. Uh, died very, very young. Uh, and uh, a character named Madonna's Boyfriend, uh, who... Uh, <laughs> Uh, who would go on to be uh, Rad Radford and later Louis Spicoli. Oh, uh, wow. So also the late, late Madonna's boyfriend. <laughs> I did not know he that. He was a today. Yeah. Okay. The Spicoli driver. Nah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Just a DVD. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what? What a great move. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Gotcha. Um, you know. Uh, so yeah, uh, Guerrero would go on to have uh, some success in Japan with New Japan Pro Wrestling, which links nicely back into the uh, the other half of this particular matchup. Uh, he wrestled there as Black Tiger too. Uh, obviously, the the second incarnation of Black Tiger after Mark Rollable Rocco uh, in the in the eighties, um, and um, obviously a nemesis for Tiger Mask, um, uh, as goes without saying. Um, he would go on to win the Best of Super Junior tournament uh, while in New Japan, and he would have a shot against the then IWGP junior heavyweight champion, the great Sasuke, uh, which he would, would be unsuccessful uh, in trying to dethrone him. Um, Guerrero's big break in, in for Western audiences outside of Mexico probably came in ECW, uh, where he had a pretty storied rivalry with Dean Malenko, including some fantastic matches, um, before eventually moving on to WCW, which was uh, his first kind of nationwide, global, uh, if you will, um, exposure uh initially in wcw he was a sort of plucky babyface character uh and then later would, would transition to the uh the kind of heel uh latino champion character that we kind of form the basis of what eventually would be latino heat um he would go on to win the us and cruiserweight titles among other things in wcw but uh and of course formed the the uh the devastating latino world order oh my god my favorite stable of all time Oh yeah, I, I, I still want to buy an LWOT. Yeah. I feel like I need to do that. Yeah, um, but I, yeah, um, Conan to my I'm, hero. Yeah, I just oh, I mean, you know, what it, it, It's just a you bowdy bowdy or rowdy bowdy. Rowdy rowdy. Yeah, um, unfortunately, his WCW career uh, was kind of not cut short because he did come back for uh, about six months towards after this. But really, the height of his WCW career ended after uh, he had a car accident on the, um, which has nearly killed him mm. on New Year's Eve, nineteen ninety eight. Uh, kept him out for about six months. Uh, he probably came back too soon, given the severity of his injuries, um, and had about six months in WCW before he would move to WWE uh, alongside the other Radicals. Uh, which were, of course, Dean Malenko, Perry Saturn, and uh, the question mark. Um, not the question mark from NWA, just just uh, he who shall not be named. Uh, um, Canadian Wrestler X. Yeah, 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 Canadian Wrestler X. Let's not, uh, I'm, I'm not besmirching the, the good name of, of, of uh, Mongrovia's uh, favourite son. <laughs> exactly, how dare you? <laughs> Um, so yeah, obviously his WWE run best characterized as the Latino Heat character, memorable feuds with the likes of Rey Mysterio, Chris Jericho, Kurt Angle, Chavo Guerrero, um, countless others. Um, Brock Lesnar, who he would eventually win the title from in 2004, um, and all the way up to his untimely death in 2005. So that's a, that's a bit of info on Eddie Guerrero there, so, yeah. for anyone who didn't know. A fantastic uh, run through, Thomas. Uh, looking forward to talking about the legend. 
Oh, legend. Yeah. Legend, I guess, is a bit insulting. <laughs> and um, then what, what, um, I suppose what we'll do is we'll dive into the matches a little bit. Um, yeah, yeah. So the first the first match we watched was Eddie Guerrero versus Rey Mysterio from Halloween mm-hmm. Havoc 1997, so during yeah. his WCW run. Um, what thoughts have you got on about the match? Well, I have, I had the chance to rewatch it, actually. And, um, oh, nice. That match is way better than I thought it was the first time. <laughs> I think we're doing this again because what a fantastic match that was. Um, uh, Eddie Guerrero has like it's amazing. He just has an amazing Christmas to everything he does, and obviously so does Rey Mysterio Jr. So you're watching literally two of the best that have ever done this. Um, you know, educate us on uh, on lucha libre wrestling, and obviously yes, they've done a lot of this stuff, but this is just kind of a masterclass, like. Um, it's just the way that everything is so crisp, the way it switches from Eddie uh, having these short spurts of just dominance, right? He comes in as the major heel and he's he's hitting all these hard-hitting moves. But then Rey Mysterio will spring into action, um, often from some of the most, like, precarious positions, like, you know, from, like, submissions. And he'll somehow, like, pop up and then do some kind of weird springboard or, or you know, turn something into a, you know, from a pin into a, into a hurricane runner or something like that. And, and, and... Eddie will just kind of come straight back and put him down for a bit. And then they'll kind of do the same thing where, you know, Eddie dominates for just that short bit of time. So it's kind of like he he, he plays this really cool uh, type of heel that's like, you know, uh, I think we mentioned it last time that he's kind of, he's a competent heel. He's not the slimy, kind of slimy, cowardly heel, mm. competent heel. But then he, he, he um, does an amazing job of, of letting, uh, of, of letting Ray do what Ray does. Uh, at his size and being so smooth with all the transitions and everything that they do so yeah and and like you know the 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 finish of this match um uh was it like um was it like a razor's edge into the the hurricane runner right yeah so so it's it's what would eventually be known as the splash mountain bomb ah. uh off the um uh so from the top rope the the kind of razor's edge from the top rope uh which then yeah he countered into the um into the uh hurricane runner for the cradle pin yeah like that move like requires both of them to be so crisp and so sharp. And that's one of the things that I really admire about um, what Eddie does in this match is that it's like the, the, the sharpness of, of having to like do sometimes front flips or back flips and then, you know, hit down into those moves so quickly. And the guy that is a, a lot bigger than Rey Mysterio Jr. is, uh, and he does these things so crisply. Like it's, it's an amazing match. And um, yeah, like a real amazing showcase of the stuff, of the best technical stuff that he can do i think i think one of the things that struck me watching it was that like it, it still stands up really well today but you can see the influence a match like that has had yeah. on the kind of because i mean this was you know you were getting matches of a similar caliber uh you know maybe not quite as good as that but of a similar caliber on you know pay-per-views and on on nitro at this stage but what was what was really good here is is that not only did you get the the kind of the moves and the kind of fluidity of that but you also got the story as well there was a lot yeah. more character development between the two the end of the whole mask thing and eddie guerrero brings so much to the table on that front like his he, like his style is you know you genuinely believe that he wants to embarrass ray mysterio yeah, like exactly he really yeah. does want you know, and he's he's as you say, he's a very competent heel. He's not he's not you know a- afraid of anything. He's not running away. He's not you know he is you know he's a bit rough around the edges, uh, but he's not really cheating necessarily. No, he's no, just, yeah, he's, he's, he's just, pushing you know, pushing it, but he's yeah, he's aggressive, but he's not cheating. Like he's because he know he just yeah. knows how good he is, 
and he's just a very aggressive, aggressively minded wrestler. And he makes a wonderful base for Rey Mysterio to do what he does. But yeah, yeah. As you say, his offense is so crisp, even just the way he like throws a, a forearm or a kick, like it, it looks, it looks menacing, but yeah. also so crisp. And I, I think, and his character work here is just so good. And that's something yeah. that really struck me is that, you know, these two have had matches, you know, in, throughout the decades in various different companies, but this one always stands out because the the quality of the of the character work from both men is really good. Um, I mean, Rey Mysterio, it's very difficult for him to do as much character work with the mask, so it's always going to be, you know, at this point when he's with the with the, the, um, the kind of attire he had at that stage, rather than the more open mask that he wears he wore in more recent years. Um, at that stage, it was always going to be very much on like the facial expressions and stuff, or very much a way for Guerrero to tell the story. And he does that with a uh, plot, you know. I mean, he is he's just like he's just uh, like an absolute force of nature in this. And yeah. you know, Mysterio is brilliant, but I, like every time I watch this match, I remember I, I, I'm reminded of just how good a heel Eddie Guerrero could be. You know, this is an interesting one because he, Mysterio has been omitted from this list, I guess, and. But watching this, I'm like, man, he is unbelievable, Rey Mysterio. He is unbelievable. Like that. <laughs> and yeah. yeah, and it's kind of like, and, and I know we're talking about Eddie, but I, I had to say this. It's just, he's just some, one of those wrestlers that's so ubiquitous and you see them so often and they've done so much that they just begin to be like ketchup. You know what I mean? Like you just don't even know yeah. the flavor anymore. But ketchup's an amazing condiment. Like if, if you'd never tasted ketchup before and then tasted it for the first time, you're like, wow, I'm going to put this on everything. And that's kind of how Rey Mysterio Jr. Oh, is in this match. You know, wearing the purple, flying around like he's the actual phantom, you know, the, the comic book character. It's, yeah. Um, but, you know... I don't think... Do the, do the um, commentators ever ever actually acknowledge that he's uh, dressed as the phantom? Is he dressed as the do. phantom? Because I just kind of was like, oh, maybe, yeah, maybe they do. I, I, don't, I don't remember, though, but um, he does look like him. Yeah, that's the way he was flying I, around and everything. I was like... Oh. I mean, he does, he does do a lot of... Um, sort of uh, comic book cosplay stuff in, in later years. So it, it does strike me as quite likely that it was probably at least Phantom inspired. And it's, it's too close. Of... The remake in it was around that time or a few years before. Yeah, it would have been the the film would have been, yeah, like might have been a couple of years earlier, but yeah, yeah I mean, it's still close. I mean, the nineties, everything moves a lot slower. So with stuff like that, so <laughs> yeah, in you could be culturally yeah. relevant referencing something from five years ago. It's, it's not, you know, <laughs> Also, it's wrestling, so it's always five years behind. <laughs> yeah, if, if, you, if you're lucky, Thomas. Yes, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. As we'll get to with um, Eddie's music in the next match. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I, I thought this was a really good showcase for Guerrero for, mm. you know, kind of his fantastic abilities as as a heel uh, and a really good, uh, you know, kind of, just, just I like I forget how it's almost a compliment to Guerrero in so much as sometimes I think you forget just how good he is. Yeah, I, I because think so. he's just he's just always that good that you just don't you don't always remember the the fact that he's he's that good because also a lot of what he does is a way to showcase his opponent, but by being the aggressor, if that yeah. makes sense. In this, and he showcases Rey Mysterio by being a base, but also being the aggressor and letting Rey Mysterio play the underdog in a way that you have to with somebody Rey Mysterio's size. And it, it works perfectly. Yeah. He's, yeah, he's just, uh, I, I'm kind of looking forward to talking about some of the stuff in the next match as well, because it kind of highlights some more of the amazing things that uh, that Eddie Guerrero does that 
you don't really notice that you know that that make him a legend you know so hello world my name is simon miller and you are listening to the wrestle cube podcast Okay, so we've we've talked about um, uh, Eddie Guerrero versus Rey Mysterio. Um, so I think yeah, let's let's move on to Eddie Guerrero versus Brock Lesnar from No Way Out two thousand and four. Yes, um, yes. So obviously this was Guerrero's first ever uh, WWE Championship opportunity, um, and uh, yeah, it was, it was obviously a, a quite a big deal in itself. Um, couched around the whole Brock Lesnar Goldberg thing that was going on um, and it's important to note that Goldberg earlier in the show had shown up at ringside because he'd been given a front row ticket by Stone Cold Steve Austin who was the uh, then general manager of Raw uh, because Raw uh, he was on Raw and Brock Lesnar was on Smackdown and there was a whole backstory from them having an altercation at the Royal Rumble um, so that he that's why he him showing up halfway through this match was, was such a, a, a thing uh, we'll get on to that in a minute, um, but yeah, um, um, thoughts on thoughts on that match? Uh, I've, it's a good match. Um, sadly, the crowd, you know, sucks out the energy from it, and it kind of distracts you from how good the stuff happening in ring is. But it's a very, very the Goldberg chance. Yeah, the Goldberg chance, the kind of disinterest, the kind of you know, you know, you could tell the crowd have. I don't know what other matches were on this match earlier, but the crowd just seems that like they're kind of finished. Well, they don't care. Wasn't a great show. Uh, <clears throat> that's probably why. And this is a great match. And um, what one of the things you see in this is kind of Eddie playing. Well, Eddie is having a slightly different role of being the underdog, I guess, in comparison to that last match, uh, because you know Brock Lesnar is such a physical specimen. But Eddie Guerrero isn't. He ain't no bitch. <laughs> You know, he's, oh, no, a, he's a big guy, so he provides his own offense and stuff as well. So even though he is the underdog, he's not like uh, it's not a squash match, you know, although it has kind of some squash match bits in it. Eddie does like show that he can he can go toe to toe with Brock, which which I, I guess is a good a great booking decision for this particular match. And I guess is a, a shadowing for, for how it would end. But one of the things like you notice about Eddie as well, uh, and that comes really apparent watching this match and then the last match is just how everything that he does is is about telling the story about how good he is at being a professional wrestler in the fact that he is trying to get across who is the good guy who's the bad guy who's the underdog like um what, what no wasted I, movement, no movement. That's, like, no wasted movement at all exactly that's a, yeah that's perfect because there's there's a, just even watching the way he does his he, he you know there's a point where he gets thrown in the corner and then Brock uh, runs towards him and then he, he throws an elbow and then just the economy of movement and how he shifts his body to make it look like he's putting his weight behind the elbow and how he, he reacts to all the punches and everything like he is such a professional and there's nothing wasted everything he does is intentional um, and it's it's actually astounding just how 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 good he is. And, and once again, it's one of those things where you just sometimes you forget how good some of these guys are at doing uh, at being storytellers. And uh, you know, I guess as wrestling fans, we focus on how good someone's moves are, or how you know, especially like when we're watching the AEW kind of stuff, just how 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 many flips and and, and stuff people you know people can do, and how technical their holds are and stuff. But we forget about. The, the actual storytelling stuff uh, it's so good that it actually disappears it doesn't even seem like it's a thing that's happening so um 
Yeah, it's a, it's a great match, uh, and especially with the ending. The, the running by Goldberg, I guess, you know, kind of stops it from being a classic because I don't know. There's few matches I go back uh, and watch it and, and, and <laughs> wait for the run-in because that's the bar I loved so much. Like, that's always the thing that only means anything at the time. But um, the, 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 when he finally does win and the reaction he gets, it's heartwarming and it, it's an amazing thing to see um, uh, what it means to him and kind of what it means to the crowd watching this 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 person that everyone is ready to accept as world champion but doesn't quite realize it yet and when it happens everyone's like yeah hell yeah like so um yeah great oh, definitely I, I i i massively agree with with all of that really i mean um it's interesting you say about the crowd because i do feel, I feel like they redeemed themselves towards the end when they when they started to cop on that this might actually happen yeah exactly i don't think you know it, it's important to note that I don't think it was common knowledge when this match was happening in the build-up to this that Brock Lesnar had decided to leave. Uh, so he would be leaving just a little over a month and a bit, a month and a month or so later than this. So I think it was maybe six weeks later after WrestleMania. So um, that wasn't common knowledge. So I think it was pretty widely assumed that. Um, I mean, I'd have to check the. Yeah, he'd go back and look at the Wrestling Observer and whatnot. But I, I mean, I remember at the time. I don't remember hearing anybody really talking in any great length uh, about the idea of Guerrero beating Lesnar because it seemed kind of far-fetched, to be honest, because, you know, and but one of the great things about that match is that Guerrero makes a believer out of you yeah. throughout, like, from the beginning to as it goes on. He gets stronger and stronger, and he keeps being able to kick out of, of, of Lesnar's uh, offense. And I know we end up with that sort of hammy acting from Lesnar just shouting, <laughs> just, just die. I, <laughs> um but it, it definitely like it definitely builds as it goes through and yeah the crowd obviously have don't buy into it straight away and because of the goldberg thing earlier in the night i think they were waiting for him to come back but when they after the after goldberg's done the spear and um and uh lesnar kicks out i think the crowd sort of went oh hang on what like we, you know, they they obviously started to believe it, and then you get this sort of moment where they go, oh, you know, after Eddie gets the belt shot, and you go, okay, he goes up for the frog splash, and the the crowd is electric at that yeah. point because Guerrero has got them in the palm of his hand. It's just so well done. Um, and so yeah, it's like said, yeah, finally they, you ha you've got your Goldberger right now. Let's concentrate on this match. <laughs> I think I just like. It's it's imagine having you know this is you know this is going to be your big moment and being that professional to be able to go right. I am going to do like I'm actually going to win this crowd round even though they're expecting something else. Mm. Like I am going to make this work. Like and to build to that crescendo is just oh, it's phenomenal, phenomenal babyface work. Like and it's it's such an interesting contrast to his work a few years earlier. I mean it's like seven years in the difference, but uh, at Halloween Havoc because actually. Mm. You know he's such an effective heel there, but he's such a sympathetic babyface here, and everything mm. he does, as you say, you know, it's no wasted mo movement at all. Like, and he's everything he does has purpose behind it. It's just it's such little subtle things throughout. Like, and the, as I said his body positioning and the way he moves around, the way he sells, like, it's it's just such a wonderful performance to watch. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really enjoyed it. Um, we, I, I believe you had um, you had some thoughts about the presentation ah. of the Guerrero ah. character. Okay, yeah. So, yeah, this is a big thing that his music is disgusting. 
and there's no yep. way around it. Like, <laughs> it's, 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 you would not get away with that now. But we like I we hated it at the time as well. We we yeah yeah not hated it. We were like, whoa, that's that's racist. But like his music is just just despicable. And you know, as one of the few um, Latino characters in the WWE at the time, uh, and the biggest, uh, it's kind of a bit upsetting that. That was the way that Vince decided to to, to market, you know, uh, you know, his Latino star with his lowrider and and his music about lying, cheating, and stealing. But the amazing thing about Eddie Guerrero is that he was able, he had his opportunity. He knew that, you know, you, you you're only going to get your opportunity the way Vince wants you to get your opportunity. And he took yeah, of whatever stupid gimmick he gave it, and he made it his own. He, he put Eddie Guerrero into it, so he he, he took the lie, cheat, and steal thing. And, and and turned it into into his you know professional wrestling gimmick, and it became one of the coolest um, and biggest kind of you know things about Eddie Guerrero. He, he would do anything in the most clever and ingenious ways to win. It didn't matter what what he needed to do; he was a winner, and everybody loved him for him. He was the lovable rogue. He was the kind of the Robin Hood, you know. Uh, oh, definitely. <laughs> and, he, and it was it was so creative as well the yeah. way they did that. Like you know, it's it's always that famous one of you know kind of uh, him you know like behind the referee's back, grabbing the title belt, throwing it to his opponent and then lying down on the floor like he's been hit like, in order to get the DQ. It's, it's so amazing. It's such a beautifully clever thing. <laughs> so good. <laughs> One of the funniest things I've, you know, I've ever seen in professional wrestling. So yeah. Well, that's, that's doing comedy in a way that also doesn't, like nobody loses out of that. You know, it's not, it's not laughing at somebody you're laughing with and it's the baby face outsmarting the heel, but it's not, it's done in a really creative, clever way that then you don't end up with damaging anybody's character or, you know, making somebody into a comedy act as a result. Like, it's just, it was so perfectly pitched. And it speaks to just how innovative he was to come up with something like that and and, and how much of a, uh, like, how much of it, the psychology of, of, of entertaining a crowd um, and, and taking them on a journey that he had, that he was able to muster up all of these different types of emotions in thousands of people watching him. So yeah, amazing, impressive. Uh, yeah. It despite no, it's, it's a really great yeah. performance. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Cool. Okay. Um, well, um, we'll, we'll leave. We'll leave Eddie Guerrero there, uh, and we'll, we'll um, let's have a chat about Kazuchika Okada. Let's do it. Hello, everybody. I'm Joe Galley, the voice of the National Wrestling Alliance, and you are listening to the WrestleCube. Cool. Okay, so let's talk about Kazuchika Okada. Um, I've got some notes, so I'll give you a little rundown again for any of our listeners who may not know who Kazuchika Okada is. So, Kazuchika Okada uh, is um, a Japanese wrestler uh, who trained under Ultimo Dragon and uh, Yuji Nagata, uh, who of course is is uh, is still uh, doing his thing for New Japan now. Um, he made his debut in 2004, wrestling in the in Ultimo Dragons. Uh, I never know how to pronounce this. Uh, Toru Yumon uh, promotion. Sounds about right. From uh, 2004 to 2007. That is the promotion that would eventually go on to become Dragon Gate. Oh. Which is quite interesting, I think. I did not know that. Yeah. Um, so he would go on from uh, in 2007 to go and train with the, the New, Japan, New Japan Dojo. Um, he'd have a stint there for about three years training. He would wrestle on New Japan cards, but he was very much a lower card wrestler before the company saw something in him and sent him out on an excursion to TNA. 
<laughs> it wasn't great. Um, Nobody's perfect. In man. TNA, he was uh, presented as a, uh, a stereotypical Japanese wrestler, as you would expect. Teamed up with another Japanese wrestler before eventually turning face and doing a gimmick as Okato, the um, um, the character uh, aping the character from uh, the Green Hornet, uh, oh. alongside Samoa Joe. Oh Lord. I remember. This is largely credited for the reason that the, uh, at the time, fairly solid uh, relationship between New Japan and TNA uh, dissolved almost immediately. Yeah, yeah, that makes that makes perfect sense. You know, I didn't, I completely had forgot that, right? And then when you said it, because I was like, I don't remember him being in TNA, and then you said it, and then the fl- when you said Samoa Joe, it unlocked repressed memories. Oh, it's, it's, it was so I, wanted, I was just like, oh, oh, that was him. Oh Lord, please no. Yeah, so. and when you see what he's capable of now, like the fact that TNA took one look at this guy, who even then you looked at this guy, he's like, he's like for a Japanese wrestler, like he is massive, like he's he's built like a brick shit house. He is charisma coming out of his ears. Like how you looked at this guy and went, oh. Yeah, let's let's do a Green Hornet gimmick. Fuck's sake, TNA, come on, lads. Yeah. Oh. Uh, um, so yeah, but it's all right. He went back to New Japan, um, had a few sporadic kind of appearances here and there uh, before he was relaunched uh, back into New Japan with the Rainmaker gimmick, uh, joining Chaos, um, uh, and um, this uh, basically. Yeah, that was his first match back would have been January of I think it was 2012, um, where he switched to the Rainmaker character, brought in Gado as his manager, um, and a month later he beat uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi for the uh, IWGP World Heavyweight Championship in a match that is referred to frequently as the Shocker in Osaka. <laughs> nice, nice. Um, so <laughs> I think. Basically, from there on out, you can basically characterize him as the biggest star in New Japan, outside of maybe, at the time, Shinsuke Nakamura and Tanahashi, and eclipsing those two eventually, um, from then until now. Um, he has had his... You can characterize that whole period of time of the last eight years, basically with his feud with Tanahashi, because they've had classic after classic. They have main event at the Tokyo Dome, I think, at least three times, uh, if not more. Um, they fought in the G1. Um, he's been their top star for that whole period, pretty much. Uh, multiple-time IWGP World Heavyweight Champion. Um, you know, he's had major feuds with Kenny Omega, uh, Tetsuya Naito, Tanahashi, um, you know, as long, uh, among so many others. Um, Kota Ibushi. Uh, and yeah, he's a, he is the longest-reigning IWGP Champion of all time. Yeah. Uh, with a reign, I think, clocked in at something ridiculous, like 702 days. Nice. That's what I like. I like a long reign. Yeah, like yeah. so I mean, he was he was champion for a really, really long time, which is why it meant quite a lot when Kenny Omega eventually beat him in um, in 2018. Um, unfortunately, Omega's run didn't work out brilliantly, and then AEW came along. It's a whole thing. Uh, but um, Which we should um, cover at we, some point, because I did not know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's a whole thing. Like, um, yeah, um, that actually might be quite interesting to talk about at some stage. I mean, the, the birth, in, in, maybe not immediately, but in, in, a, in a year or so, the birth of AEW might end up being quite an interesting thing to yeah, talk yeah. about, to look back at their first couple of years and where they are and where they were. Um, no, I mean, obviously, when you talk about that, you've got to factor in the coronavirus madness that has changed every the way everything is. But yeah, like it'll be really interesting to look back on that, I think. Yeah. Um, right, so let's let's move on to uh, Kazuchika Okada versus Kenny Omega from Wrestle Kingdom 11. What did you think? 
I, I really enjoyed this match. I really enjoyed this match. Um, uh, it, it, I guess in contrast to the different matches, one, it's a Japanese match and they have it has different cadences. Uh, often longer, way longer cadences. <laughs> cadences that yeah, go on it, took, it took a long time to get going. And when it got yeah. going, it was great, but they, they, I forgot how long both of these matches were. But that's just, that, I mean, I know that's the New Japan main event style, but for me, if... <laughs> Having not watched any New Japan for a little while, it was a little bit of a shock to the system to remember that it does take. They're very much big on the slow build. Yeah, exactly. You've got you've got to pour out a little bit of that brandy, put a couple of ice cubes in that bitch, and and take some sips because this is going to be a long one. Um, but it, you know, one one of the pros of, of 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 that style, obviously, I guess, and and the Japanese crowd, which is just kind of appreciative of of, of the slower build and everything, is that you know when we do get to the 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 climax near the end, that you know we've built up to something that's so uh, epic. Um, and, and I thought that you know Okada in, in this match, um, you know, I'm not gonna lie, I thought he was kind of a little bit overshadowed by Kenny Omega. I agree. Yeah. I think Kenny Omega is so impressive in this match. Has so much charisma in everything that he does, like in 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 the way he sells everything, in in the in in the way he looks more desperate when when you know he's been he's been hammered on and stuff like that. And I feel like Okada is 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 I guess maybe he's kind of as you said. I, I'm not sure if this is how it was supposed to be, but maybe you said before that he's kind of playing the heel because he does kind of have have that heel vibe to him in this match, and I think he does play play that role really well as like he's the established star. He's the guy that he's the guy that no sells a whole bunch of times. Like this is oh, yeah. Kenny coming for his crown rather than the other way around. So obviously I mean, this was the champion. So this was very much positioned as the two of them as. Kenny, Kenny Omega saying, well, I can speak Japanese and English, so I'm better positioned to lead this brand forward than you are. I mean, it, it's not true, because <laughs> just take one fucking look at uh, Kazuchika Okada and tell me he's not the face of whatever company he's fucking working for. But mm. um, yeah, because he is a handsome man. I think I said this last time. He's a good looking guy. He is a very handsome man and charisma coming out of his fucking ears. Like, mm. I, I like just such a ridiculously charismatic performer that I don't think the language barrier really matters. No, but yeah, I, I, I get what you're saying. I think that in a way, this felt more like a showcase for uh, Omega because yeah. this was his coming out party as a main eventer, I think. But um, but then Okada makes him look great. Yeah, fair. exactly. And that's that's the thing that we have to take into account here is that Okada is is giving him, as he said, the platform to 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 be great. He's He's selling where he's supposed to sell. He's he's letting Kenny get his shit off. You know, he's he's not. You know, there's times where where there's no selling, but it's just kind of all that does is build up how much of a monster Okada is and how impressive it is that Kenny's doing some of the stuff he does. And it, it, some of the exchanges between these two are fantastic. Um, I can't be honest. I can't remember them exactly. I probably should I think take a better such note. Because they're such yeah. long matches. It's quite hard to remember necessarily all of it. I, mean, I think for me, this is what always happens with the slow build thing with with New Japan. Is I'm 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 very big on the entrances because they they do make a big effort to make them spectacular, and we'll talk about that more in a second. Yeah, but I think you have the entrances, then you have the slow build, and then you have the kind of middle section where things start getting moving, and then it's always that last ten minutes is just breathtaking, unbelievable. Yeah, exactly. It, it, and this know. is no this is no exception. They, you know, from everything after the big table bump, uh, which was looked painful as fuck, by the way. Oh, super painful. Oh, my God. And just kind of like, there's like a little step or something next to those, next to the table. Yeah, I, I was wondering he was going to break his back. Yeah, like, I know. Even, was, even though I know oh, he doesn't. 
Oh, it's horrible to look at. But um, yeah, I, I have remembered one. No, I haven't remembered. I found my notes. There's some really interesting stuff here. Um, uh, you know, uh, there's an insane springboard moonsault. Uh, I didn't oh, yeah, yeah. It's the, yeah. the um, one half of the golden triangle. Unbelievable. That that was beautiful. And, and you know, the ending. Oh, that knee that Kenny Omega does is fantastic. But we're here to talk about Okada, not Kenny Omega. But that yeah, ending, but I, think, I think the thing is, though, is, is that... Okada gives a lot in this, like, yeah. and he obviously he wins the match in the end, and you know that final sequence with the the rainmakers and the tombstone and the you know like he gives a lot, but he's also Okada's amazing at kicking out at two and like yeah. you know seven eighths. He's it's so like split like hair splittingly short that the like the near falls are amazing. Yeah, unbelievable. And you really buy it because he's so good at kicking out so late. Like, dangerously so, I feel like. That's going to go wrong at some stage in his career. But he's so good at that that it really makes you believe it. It's it's kind of goes to... And this is an interesting one as well. Uh, and it's kind of... This is a hard one to, 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 to talk about in, in comparison to the Eddie ones because... Uh, well, maybe not, but you, the Japanese style, you have to be so on point. Like nothing yeah. can nothing can go wrong, and if it does, it's it's so shocking, that, and you have to be so technically proficient to be in in a, a main event of a Wrestle Kingdom that, you know, it's it, it, it's hard to judge like um the, the 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 fine hairs between you know who is the greatest in, in these things, and also in seeing how good Okada is, how tight he is, how how great he is. Eddie Guerrero, I think, is also just as tight, just as good, just you know, just has just the uh, as good timing. So it's kind of hard to to separate them on that on that level. So um, I, I I think we'll probably come back to this more when we actually start uh, comparing the two together. But yeah, Okada is technically proficient in an unbelievable way. Everything he does is on point and on time and exactly where it needs to be. Uh, his selling is fantastic. Um, you know, when he looks desperate, he looks desperate and all of that stuff. So yeah. Great match. I think, I think rather than talk about them as two separate things, because I think this, this conversation really bleeds in one bleeds into the other. Let's let's go in straight into the um, yeah the uh, Abushi match because actually I think there's something to be said for a similar issue in some respects that Okada almost gives too much in that match as well. Yeah, yeah. The final sequence. They're very similarly structured uh, to the point where actually I feel like that's actually a detriment to it. To the to the the Ibushi match. I agree. I agree. He he does give way too much to Ibushi, and um, he 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 like Ibushi is the guy that shines in this match. It seems like it's his vehicle as well. Although I think oh, yeah. um, oh, uh, although I think though next to Ibushi, uh, Okada's um personality and charisma shines a lot more uh than than when he's next to Kenny Omega because Kenny Omega is so animated. And so kind of, I mean, I don't know if it's intentional. You tell me if it's not, but he always reminds me of Shinsuke Nakamura. I mean, is that, is that an homage? Yeah, no, no, not Okada, Omega. Is that, is that intentional? I don't know if it's intentional entirely. I suspect there's probably some elements picked up there, but I think some of that is to do with Omega being, wanting to be extra animated for a crowd that aren't necessarily he doesn't have the same native language as I guess. Okay. It's kind of is a universal kind of translation of, of body movement and body, um, body language and facial expressions. 
Because, yeah, he's gurning his fucking tits off like he's... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he really is a prick. And sometimes it's a bit too goofy for my liking. Yeah, yeah, it can be pretty goofy. But, like... Abushi isn't animated enough for my liking. Exactly, exactly, yeah. He's quite quite stone-faced, which makes... Which allows... Akada to pop more because he, yeah. you know, you see how how charismatic he actually is. You know, he's not he's not got all this goofy facial expressiony shit happening um, from Kenny Omega, which sure I like. The, uh, wasn't sure about the white boots. You know, you like the white boots. I like white, white boots. Are the boots <sighs> of a villain? <laughs> and I guess, in fairness, that's a good point because Okada is playing at least quite not subtle and then not so subtle heel in the match with Ibushi. I think. Yeah. Definitely. It does does demonstrate his versatility. It's maybe not as stark as the way Guerrero is able to go from one to the other. It, there's a lot more subtlety there, but I think because it, 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 there's only so much wiggle room between face and heel within the Rainmaker character, because I think he's always kind of a tweener um, yeah. to a certain degree. But yeah, I mean, you you certainly see him playing more of a subtle heel through through until they do some weird subtle double turn late in the match that where Abushi apparently loses his mind. <laughs> oh yeah, what well, just becomes Super Saiyan or something, and then yeah, well, he's, he's, like, they kept, the commentators kept saying he's like he's gone to that place, and then he started like, the place. basically just being really like like Ken Shamrock, uh, yeah, yeah, and then um, <laughs> and then then he lost. Yeah, it was like it was well, ending. Yeah, it was kind of odd. Uh, yeah, he just starts no selling all of a sudden. It's just like staring into the middle distance, and it's like, what, what's happening here? But the the ending of this match was unbelievable. And there's there's a couple of things I um actually I, I really wanted to mention. And what Ibushi, I guess, was the guy delivering the offense. And when it's kind of as you said, maybe Okada's giving too much, but Ibushi uh, does this amazing suplex, and like I think it's like a back suplex off the second rope where he lifts. Okada up straight oh, the dead, up and the then deadlift then... German over the eight. Yeah. Oh God, it's incredible! Just incredible maneuver. And the ending of this match is is really, really, really good. Um, was it like a, a roundhouse by Ibushi, uh, then a V trigger into a Mishinoku driver? Um, well, I'm sure it's called something else. It's just what I remember it being yeah, called. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then Okada hits him with a rainmaker for the win, and that was that was really cool. That kind of ending uh, there. But um, I like I like the story they told with him missing the Phoenix Splash as well. So going for yeah. the kind of you know it was all kind of all in, and and the fact that he missed that really fucked him basically. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I I really enjoyed that. That was that was a, a really quite telling moment. Again, you know, Okada's great at being this like really solid base for these guys to, you know, to tell to tell a story around because he's so reliable. Mm. Like his offense looks great. He doesn't do a lot. It's not flashy necessarily. Like no. and a lot of it is, is kind of there's you know the strikes and there's the the most perfect drop kick I've ever seen in in the history of wrestling. Yeah, um, that drop kick is beautiful. Oh man, it's, it's, I- a, it's, a, it's a work of art. And I know you don't like the Rainmaker, but I quite like it. But as I said, it- I, do you know what? Do you know what? I rewatched these matches uh, in in preparation for this. Uh, well, I tell that I, that's not entirely true. I watched the last the the last <laughs> the finishing sequence of play for these matches. Yeah, which is the most important thing to be fair. And do you know what? Actually, to be fair, the Rainmaker. It does look really good. It, it it tells a really good story, and it does look really good. <laughs> as we said I mean, though before, it's only as good as the backflip it elicits from. From yeah, the cell is so important. Yeah, <laughs> so if you back, you know, and kind of land on your shoulder or something, and it looks awesome, then the rainmaker is sick. But if you just kind of fall over, it just looks like a clothesline. 
I will say I do like that uh, by the end of uh, the end of the match for both matches when he hits the rainmaker because they're both quite sweaty. You get this kind of like splash almost when he hits it, and it's it, it is beautiful. To be fair, yeah. I, 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 there's no getting around that. Yeah, no, yeah, um, it's, it's a great move. Before we get on to our our scores and comparisons, um, I, I I just wanted to mention uh, the entrance for Okada um, because there's something about his his walk to the ring and the whole presentation of that package when he walks out in the big robe and all the rest of it, which is fucking money. Yeah, man, and uh, and the arm thing with the zoom. <laughs> oh god, it, yeah, yeah, it's so it's just oh, it's, it's super epic. He's like the the boss at the end of an anime or something. He was like, oh, oh yeah, no. absolutely, and and I think that's that's very much the design for that. Um, <laughs> but it's a very cool thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, cool. Should, should we should we do some scores? I think we should do some scores, main. Let's do some scores. Um, all right, so I'm just finding my bit of paper from last time that I still have ready, uh, so that we don't. I'd have to write this down twice. Uh, it does exist. It does exist. It does It exists. Here we go. Right. So, uh, the first category is in-ring ability. Uh, so, based on this sample size, uh, out of five. Um, I'm going to give both four. Uh, only because I don't want to be giving away five so early. But there's nothing... I, mean, I think we can. Wrong. I think we can. But, you know, like, yeah. I, I, I'd agree with that. I think I'd go along with with a four for both because i think that's that's fair i think i yeah. really do i think that's um that's, both are just so fair. crisp and just so neck and neck there's no difference absolutely technically and i think i think they're, they're both technically just incredible so i think yeah. that's that's um that's fair um charisma slash overness i would say um as charismatic as okada is and i guess they play different roles okada is the mega you know he is the end boss uh, but yeah Eddie Guerrero and Eddie Guerrero's, you know, Robin Hood. I'd say Eddie Guerrero edges it on charisma. Uh, I haven't said that really. Charisma on charisma. Um, I would say it's a. I would say it's a three. No, a three for Okada, and yeah. then a four for Eddie Guerrero. Okay, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go a four for Okada because I really do think he's very charismatic. But I'm gonna go a five for Guerrero. I really yeah. I, like. I, I think he's so good I and he's so charismatic that I just I, I think I've got to. I, th- I respect it. I respect it. I, I, I as I said, I'm like I, I'm hesitant to give give my my fives away so early. I get that. I get that. I get that. But, but I'm, I'm just I'm going all in. Bordering. I'm, going in. First, I'm glad. You first, got the first round. I'm going all in. You got the mother effing balls. I don't know why I said mother. You got the motherfucking balls. Yeah. <laughs> Other effing balls. You've got the balls to do it, so you do it, Thomas. Yeah. Plumbed. Um, Okay. Star power. Star power. Oh, that that definitely has to go to Okada, doesn't it? I mean, I I I think for me, I I would say yeah. I think I think there's like, Bolguerero exhibits a lot of charisma. Like in terms of being like a main event drawing like mega star. It, it's a Carter every day of the week for me. Yeah, yeah, uh, but uh, it does. And but what I'm trying to think, I guess nowadays, I would say, could Okada do, you know, uh, like at the height of his powers, Eddie Guerrero would be uh, a massive star both in Japan and in America. But I guess with the the way the wrestling wrestling is now, so would Okada. So I mean, maybe not in that WWE context, but this guy it, it, with the right 
show the right marketing could fill out any stadium i think in the united states i agree actually so yeah uh man but then what how do you split it between them i mean he's the biggest star there is so it kind of has to be a five isn't it really i mean Maybe I'm going to give my five. <laughs> I'm going for a five as well. Yeah, I'm going to give Guerrero. I think I'm going to give Guerrero a four as well. Because yeah, yeah. I think I, I think I'm going to go that way because it doesn't get really bigger than that. So uh, the few wrestlers okay. are as big as he is. So the, yeah. the next one is quite an interesting. One is versatility. Ooh, versatility. Uh... See, for me, that's Guerrero every day of the week because you yeah. look at those two matches, and I think there's such a stark difference. Whereas I, I feel like Okada, he he can play both heel and face, but they're kind of almost the same thing to a certain degree. I agree. I agree. The the, the only thing that kind of changes is maybe his his ferocity or uh, you know his 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 meanness. Whereas with Eddie, there there's so much different character stuff going on. So yeah, I, I think um, I, I would go with uh, I would go with a hmm, this is storytelling, right? I would go with. Uh, it's versatility, versatility. versatility. Oh no, versatility. Yeah, I would go with versatility. Exactly. I would go with versatility with. I'll go four for Eddie Guerrero, and I'll go for a three for Ricardo. Okay. I'm going for a five for Eddie Guerrero, and also a three for for Ricardo. Ooh, even a bigger differential. Nice. Okay, and then the final category is storytelling. Yeah. That this okay, you know what? I will put it at a five for for Eddie Guerrero. Um you know, what he does is just he's the perfect professional wrestler in terms of what you're supposed to do. He could do the mm. same thing throwing punches and kicks the whole time. He doesn't it doesn't matter what moves he's doing. It's all the other stuff that he does, all the the small things he does that tells a story. Whereas I think that Okada can only tell one story that he's awesome. <laughs> you know what I mean? The only story he could tell is that he's a really good Japanese wrestler, um, which is a great story to tell. But um, yeah, I, w- I will go with a three. Oh, no, that's a lot. No, that's mean. I'm going to go with a four because, I mean, he is one of the best wrestlers. So are you giving Guerrero a five? Giving Guerrero a five, I'm giving Okada a four. I, I'm going to give, I am also going to give Guerrero a five for storytelling, but uh, I am also going to give Okada a five because I actually yeah. think that his storytelling during the, far, the last sort of 10 minutes of both those matches was fantastic. Yeah. So, it's it, okay. Four's good, guys. Just want to put that out there. So, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, and this is it's personal choice as well. Like, none of this is, you know, we're not claiming to be experts. I mean, we are, but we're also. I all right, Daniel. If you could provide me with some some uh, some some uh, lift music or some sort of uh, countdown music okay. for, uh, while I. Uh, All right, here you go. Oh, well, are we going to get copyrighted for this one? No, no, it's fine. You're humming it. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> There we go. Is that is that enough uh, lift music? Uh, <laughs> a little bit more, a little bit more. And then he sailed down to WrestleCube. Then he cubed some wrestling. <laughs> so how's it looking? How's it? How's it looking? Okay. Scores on the doors. All right. So final scores kazuchika okada comes in with a grand score of 40 
while Eddie Guerrero comes in with a grand score of 44. There we go. He just edges it. You know, I didn't think this would be the score going in, but I think no, before uh, in the last pod that you, your your thoughts had changed. I, I originally thought that I was, this was going to be not a cakewalk for Okada, but I thought he was nailed on to win it. Yeah, I but it's a squash. As, as I watched the matches, you, I, I think I just didn't... As I said, it's almost a compliment to Guerrero that you forget just how good he, he was because yeah. he's just so good at playing so many different roles that actually, yeah, it, it's just something something incredible. So um, a worthy winner, I think. Yeah, I think so too. And, and I mean, Alcada is a legend, but so is Eddie Guerrero. He's a he's a complete oh, yeah. legend. So I don't think it is. I don't think it's uh, sad or or a shame to get eliminated by Eddie Guerrero. Uh, no, no, I agree. I agree. I think it's it's, it's uh, you know. And we know. Sorry, go on, man. Okada, Okada is still one of the the best wrestlers in the world alive today. And if we were doing this in ten years' time. It might be a different story because I think his legacy is still being built. Exactly. What if he had gone against Scott Steiner? <laughs> oh, that, 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 that would have been a different conversation. <laughs> I think we definitely know who, who uh, you know. Oh, I think I think Steiner's going to surprise us if we if depend if we if we show his range. I think he might surprise us, I, especially if we we see some of that early Steiner when he was still uh, before the juice really got. Him. Oh, it, I'm going to tell you now. If I can find a match where he does the Steiner screwdriver and that be part of part of our choices, I'm gonna I'm nominating that because All right. the the uh, watching watching him suplex somebody directly into a power driver is is quite the sight. Yeah, it is indeed. Man, I'm just looking so, here at Abushi's traps. Man, he has oh yeah the yeah biggest traps I've ever seen in my whole life. He, he's in great shape. He's, he's a fair. big he's man. I would not f with that guy. No way. If he slaps oh. the girl on the bum, she becomes his now. It's like, <laughs> you know what, my friend? Good job. <laughs> you shake your hand. <laughs> He's a big guy. I told you, I met him in a lift once and I couldn't say anything because I was too scared. Yeah, yeah, so you should be. I mean, I was also just a bit starstruck, but uh, and I, we'd had some beers, so I was a bit like, oh. yeah, nothing. Just, just bathing his glory. I had nothing. I had nothing. Um, cool. Okay. Well, that is that is the first round one match done. Um, so yeah. the next, the next, the next matchup, and I don't know whether this is going to be uh, the opposite side of this same bracket or not. I can't remember offhand. But the next matchup we're going to do definitely uh, is going to be The Rock and Chris Jericho. Ooh, that's a real good one. Looking forward. That's to a that. doozy, isn't it? Man, that's a, getting rid of some heavy hitters really early, man. Yeah, this is definitely not a seeded tournament. No, no, fuck that. <laughs> God damn. It's gonna be uh yeah, it's gonna be quite the thing. So we'll uh we'll we'll put our heads together, we'll get some matches, we'll watch them and we'll talk about them in a similar structure to this. I like again it. I'll have some notes and we'll introduce our fans to I mean, I can't imagine I need to introduce anybody to The Rock, but we'll do it anyway. <laughs> Dwayne D Wayne or DJ as they I mean, call him in uh Titan Games. If you don't know who The Rock is, I don't know how you found this podcast. I don't know how you're not living in a shack somewhere on the side of a mountain because he's everywhere. And if you are living in a shack, I'm glad that this is how you chose to use your limited connectivity. <laughs> this is your only access to the to the real world. And you're listening to us talking okay. about Okada and Eddie Guerrero. I'm 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 down. I'm down. It means we're winning. Cool. All right. Well, uh, in which case, um, I. 
we'll just say uh, obviously thank you very much for joining us for this. Uh, you can listen to the, to our whole back catalogue uh, at Spotify, uh, on SoundCloud, on Google Play, on iTunes, uh, on Stitcher. Uh, I believe think we're on Podbean as well now. Uh, basically, anywhere you get your podcasts, uh, you should be able to Acast or on there as well. Uh, anywhere you get your podcasts, you should be able to find us. Um, you can uh, please do also uh, rate, review, and subscribe uh, on on those platforms. Um, you can, of course, leave comments for us at facebook.com slash WrestleCube. We are at WrestleCube on Twitter. We are at WrestleCube on Instagram. Um, and yeah, like get in touch. Um, uh, WrestleCube at gmail.com if you want to have a longer conversation about anything in particular. We, we have an email address now. Um, we have a YouTube channel that has nothing on it yet, but we will yet. eventually. Yet, indeed. Indeed. We're growing this very slowly, but we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. Um, cool. Um, so, Daniel, um, is, there, is there anything else you want, to, you want to add? I just want to let people out there to know they need to scloob the cube. <laughs> I don't know what that means, also, but also, I'll figure it out. Also, do visit, do visit our sponsors at timefixes.co.uk. Oh, yeah, go to, go to flimflame.com and read some of my old blogs about fried chicken and stuff. Or not. I mean, yeah, and, and, and uh, there's, there's, a, there's a, a wonderful blog on there about uh, if you're if you're in uh, any kind of debt, uh, yeah. about how you might deal with that. Exactly. Uh, there you go. Thank you. Thank you. Recommend Thank that you. very highly. Yeah, um, cool. Uh, all right, uh, we're gonna get out of here. So um, uh, I'm gonna say bye bye, and I'm gonna say keep. All right, folks. Uh, don't as always. Don't be a square. Be a wrestle cube. And so long, folks. Thank you.